We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the 18th day of November, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson, alongside the fan favorite, Lord Marty Foster. Lord Foster, how are you this evening? I might become a Lord myself, actually. I was looking into that, and there is a way, uh, and there is a company that I can go through and, and get that done for a very good price. I can buy some land in well, Scotland as well. Yeah, I'm well, and I'll be happy to welcome you into the um, into the fraternity of the landed gentry. Even though you know it only amounts to two square meters, uh, it still counts. So you know it's all good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I'm. It's turned a bit colder. The rain has stopped. We've got flooding in parts of the of the region. The couple of major roads have been closed. But ah, I see we're about to be joined by a good friend. But how are you, Johnny? I'm fantastic. If I felt any better, it wouldn't be legal. <laughs> I'm particularly happy. About um, our friend, well, he's no one's friend, really, is he? Justin Trudeau and, and the way oh, in really? which he was giving a oh, thorough the... dressing down by uh -huh. Xi Jinping. You saw that, did you? Yeah, via an interpreter. But I've got a question that. Why would they let something like that happen in public unless it was to, in the eyes of the Canadian people, distance Trudeau a bit further from the Chinese Communist Party when we, when we know that he's... He's basically doing whatever he's told to do by them. Well, I'm not exactly sure. I, I don't know if it was staged. Like you said, I hadn't actually considered that. But I mean, I was kind of taking it for face value at what it was because of I was just watching Xi's reaction is all. And the way that um, Xi was treating him, you know, just as well as I do in the Orient, when someone doesn't look you in the eye, that's a sign of basically they don't really care too much about what you're saying to them. Yeah, he, uh, he turned his shoulder away from him. Yep. So he was giving him yep. the cold shoulder. Yep. And then walked away uh, and, as, you know, um, with the look on his face, like, you know, look, kid, I don't care what you say. And I was telling Bruce last night when we were watching that or night before one of the two. And I said, it wouldn't surprise me. I said, if that was legitimate, I said, it wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden you see calamity within that party, the liberal party that Trudeau's part of, and they'll have a special election in the party and they'll have him thrown out. If that was indeed true. It could happen. It could happen. But uh, it smelt a little bit of, of a setup staged kind of thing for me because he is getting so much heat in his own country by his own people for being a sellout Marxist piece of crap. I saw something. Um, I saw a headline last week and I, I thought you'd get uh, a kick out of this because we talked about the last, quote, potential uh, replacement. The NATO Secretary General, uh, Jens Stoltenberg, is going to be leaving his post in uh, I, I forget when he's going to do it, but he's already announced that he's leaving and his next job has already been lined up. He's going to become the chief of the Central Bank of Norway. And of course, you're going to need a replacement. And one of the names that was floated as a re possible replacement as NATO Secretary General was Carista Freeland, the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada. Well, I mean, they're a longstanding NATO member, one of the originals. Um, so why shouldn't it be, apart from the fact that if he's the deputy prime minister, it means that he's as... She. 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 Sorry. Freeland. You know, um, the little, the one that flips her hair around whenever, you know, she's the one... Like, oh, Trudeau's. my goodness. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no reason why it shouldn't be a woman, but it shouldn't be that woman. That's for certain. Because if she's in Trudeau's cabinet, she is as corrupt and as turned as he is. Without a doubt, um, but okay, all right. Let's uh, let's move on. I really don't want to talk about uh, about that woman. You want to talk about Madazalam Matt, don't you, Mister Hancock? Yeah, when I dashed away after last week uh, and and went to watch that episode, um, he was having a heart to heart with the ITV journalist. I think her name is Charlotte, and he he sort of broke down and was a little bit teary eyed, 
And he said, well, what I'm really after is some forgiveness. Well, screw you, Matt. No chance, matey. We don't forgive you. We will never forgive you. And I've got to say, even though he has done an absolute brilliant job inside the challenges, eating all kinds of nasty things, you know, he, he didn't shy away from any of it, but he's got something to prove. He's, he's a typical public school boy. And, you know, British public schools are can be a, a fairly harsh environment. It's kind of like a balance. You know, these people are going to go on to live really privileged and luxurious lives, so they get given a hard time at their public schools. Um, and so he's approached the tasks he's been given with courage, um, alacrity. He's, he's got on with it. And I hate to say this, but certain members of the public are warming to him. He's winning some of that trust and respect back, and he really shouldn't be. You're always going to get people who are easily fooled, unfortunately, and we just have to keep reminding them that he was in charge of the health service. They managed to order two years' worth of Sleepy Bobo's night-night drug for old people, and they used all of that within a year, and... The outcome of using that drug on people who are ill is that they get too tired to cough. And when they're too tired to cough, they stop breathing. And when they stop breathing, their lungs fill with fluid. And then it's easier to call it a COVID-induced pneumonia death rather than, I don't know what you'd call it, murder. That's exactly what it is. Is uh, it, it's it's murder. I mean, we we were uh, we were kind of making the comparisons when we listened to uh, the um, uh, the interview that uh, Dr. Michael Yaden gave to the uh, uh, the Corona Committee out of Germany. When he was he actually presented receipts showing what these people were doing, uh, not just with the midazolam uh, issues. And there's been many other people within the UK itself that have called that out. But also with the uh, the jabs and the uh, the lot numbers and and how they were sent out, it's literally premeditated, organized mass murder. That's what it is, and it was happening at every level. It was happening in the United States just the same with the uh, the nursing homes, right? When you would have state governors like uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo from New York, and you had Governor Tom Wolf from uh, the state of Pennsylvania, uh, Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. These people they knowingly put COVID infected patients in those nursing homes. And it's it, like it ripped through there like wildfire and it killed a whole bunch of people. But everybody was in lockdown. You know, you couldn't go and, and see your loved ones. And so that, that's what they did. That's exactly what they did. But not to drift too far away from this uh, Hancock thing. Did you hear he got stung by a scorpion? I know last week you said something about uh, you hope he gets bit by a, a whatever, you know, something. But he actually got he actually got hit by a scorpion. It, yeah. But to see the scorpions they put in those cages and boxes that they have to reach in to get a star from they're not all that dangerous you can tell whether a scorpion is dangerous by the size of its pincers the ones with big pincers are more armless they're, they're more like a bee sting the smaller the pincer the higher the, the 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 stronger it's its venom in its sting now i don't know if he got stung in the camp, which would just be some stray scorpion wandering through, uh, well, I say wandering through, through, they're living in its environment. But if it was one of the scorpions inside one of the challenges, then I very much doubt it would have been a serious sting. But they they do hurt. I've been stuckalized, swelling wherever the sting was, and it's in most cases, it's just like a bee sting. I do have a video of it. Would you like to see it? I'd love to. Ouch. <laughs> okay, okay, got a splinter. Ow, I've got no splinter. Ow, but that really hurts. It's like it must have been bitten by something. Oh, yeah. What? Wow, look at that, a scorpion. No way. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. a scorpion. Are you serious? Oh, it's only small, it's only small. You okay? Oh, okay. Oh. It hurts a lot, and I'm feeling slightly dizzy. Okay, yeah. sit, 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 sit. <laughs> sit. So I was like, right, get the first aid box out, get me an ID wipe, sit down, oh, wipe it down. Nothing. He looked like he wanted to cry. Oh, that Okay. Yeah. How did that happen? It was like... Of all the people that could get stung by a scorpion, I mean, I'm, I'm not laughing. I, I'm, I'm sure it was horrible, but <laughs> I mean, basically, it's like it's like t two times a bee sting. Ah, little bugger! It was that big. 
it was uh, it was about a half an inch to an inch wide. Is is all? The yeah, it, it wasn't big. It because I mean, wild animals, even dangerous insects and and arachnids such as scorpions and spiders. When people are living around in a place, they tend to go away. You know, they tend to move away if they can. But you heard the the voice of of Boy George there, eighties pop star. Karma Chameleon and all that kind of stuff. You must have, you must remember that song. They've been sitting Hancock down and basically put, putting him on trial every day, asking him lots of questions. And boy, George is 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 known to be extremely left wing in his outlook. And he says, "Well, why are you spending so much on on arms and and weapons?" And Hancock didn't answer. He, he he then got distracted by one of the younger female contestants who talked to him about some socks that were hanging out to dry. And he did what a politician calls a pivot with some socks that were drying. Because this week, Hancock is, um, is camp leader. So he gets to sit in a comfortable chair and uh, and sleep in in a caravan rather than out in the open on the beds or the hammocks where the rest of them are. So he's um he's won himself that privilege, but that comfortable chair that he gets to sit in gets made uncomfortable daily by the questions from the other contestants. So at least they're doing that for us. Um, it all depends again on how much ITV show and how they edit the footage that is probably filmed 24 7 but they'll just show us the bits they want us to see how sad never mind so where would you like to go next uh, th- now that we've covered the uh, the matt hancock thing where would you like to go next do you, do you want to talk about the uh, uh the russia thi- poland thing the missile strike with the ukraine that turned out to be ukraine and not russia do you want to go there or do you have another way you want to um, go and then we can eventually get to that now let's talk about that first so yeah you were the one who told me about it because we we were speaking on the phone and I hadn't heard uh, about the attack and that missiles had landed in Poland. So I must admit it was quite frightening. But as it turns out, those missiles were not fired by Russia. They were air defense missiles fired at Russian cruise missiles. But it does mean that if they were landing inside the Polish border, that their targets were probably crossing Polish airspace. So the big KH-55 or KH-101 cruise missiles, which have got something like a 1,400-mile range, were probably crossing over uh, Polish airspace when the S-300 Ukrainian air defense missiles surface to air were fired at them and if they missed their target then they would have made landfall inside the polish border but that turned out to not even be the case it was these uh at least that's what they tried to placate as as uh, as it was justin trudeau ran with it uh and he and sunak still ran with it as of this morning staging a uh, a phone call to Zelensky between the two of them, or actually between the three of them, that was put out by uh, an official publication from Number 10 Downing Street, saying that it's unacceptable what Russia has done to attack Poland. And it, it's just, it's ridiculous. It, this is absolutely ridiculous. I was telling you about the timeline uh, and the chain of events as it unfolded, and the British media, you know, and I'm not saying that any other of our mainstream medias in any of our respective countries are any better, but the British mainstream media specifically, they had a window of three to five hours to stop those headlines from going out. And they chose to ignore that and they ran the headlines anyway. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's like they're having a wet dream, aren't they? The chance to be the ones to report on World War Three starting. They've got no concept of of what war really is like. There are one or two reporters that do know because they've been out there, but the the people that sell the newspapers, the you know, the the owners of these these organizations, they just want that salacious headline. They just want that all by their rags. That's all they're after. So they don't care. I mean, there is an issue with the time at which the print set is is got ready 
in in the place where they print these papers and how much time they've got to to make a change but a window of five and a half hours they had plenty of time to change those headlines as you say and they didn't and they didn't because they don't want the truth to get in in the way of a good story that is true uh bruce is back with us bruce how you doing today uh well i mean i'm healthy and alive uh but uh could be better on the home front but uh yeah well, that's that's good. I'm I'm glad that you're healthy and alive. I'm sorry that you're still dealing with uh, with issues there, but um, nonetheless, I hope it gets sorted. Uh, but you and I were going over uh, some of the uh, events that were unfolding in between uh, Ukraine, Russia, and Poland. Do you want to weigh in on that? And then, I, Marty, I thought we could go as soon as Bruce uh, makes his comment there. I thought we could discuss, or maybe we can just do it now. Uh, we can discuss what the media was portraying versus what we saw in the video that wasn't released to the public. I hadn't seen uh, what Russia's response was in this. I did see that uh, um, Ukraine kept saying, oh, it was Russia, it was Russia, it was Russia. Uh, the UK news was saying it was Russia. But here in the US, it was actually saying, like the the media was saying, um, no, this was actually the Ukraine missiles. They didn't narrow down that it was um, uh, anti-air or anti-missile systems. They didn't They didn't say anything about that. They just said, um, you know, it, it was uh, missiles that had uh, been accidentally fired into uh, Poland. But it seemed like, at least from the Zelensky side of things, uh, he was really trying to push that it was Russia and hoping that the media would jumping on, uh, jump on board. I, I, this is, this is my guess and I'm, I'm just speculating. It, it seemed like he was trying to get the media to jump on board with that and uh, potentially try to get more money, more aid, more, you know, all, all of that. Cause you know, they lost their, their cryptocurrency uh, avenue. They'll, they'll get the money and they'll get the aid regardless because our governments are only too willing to, to send it. But what they're losing is thankfully public opinion. No one loves Putin. There's no doubt about that. But people are seeing through what's going on in Ukraine and why the war has been created. And, you know, Western governments are starting to hopefully start to feel the pressure from the people that they're not so keen on this warmongering. Did you see the uh, the connection that we were uh, discussing a few days ago between uh, FTX, the crypto exchange, uh, the United States, the World Economic Forum, and the Ukrainian government? I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. You didn't catch uh, that. Uh, and okay. it, it again, listening to the podcast from um, you know earlier on in the week, and I'm thinking, yeah, I really should do more research. I should spend a little bit more time digging into these things because so many people, and I do some, but so many people do none at all. So they'll be blissfully unaware of those connections. And the only reason I'm aware is because I've got guys like you that are finding the information out for me. It was uh, it was so deep. In fact, the uh, the World Economic Forum they actually uh, they posted this on their website last year. I mean, I, we we grabbed uh, we grabbed shots of it before they deleted it. It said uh, FTX. I'm sure that you're aware of that currency that crypto exchange collapsing, right? At least you you've heard of that, yes? Yes. Yeah, okay. So the World Economic Forum posted this, and I'm reading directly from what was on their website. FTX is a cryptocurrency exchange built by traders for traders. FTX offers innovative products, including industry-first derivatives, options, volatility products, and leveraged tokens. It strives to develop a platform robust enough for professional trading firms and intuitive enough for first-time users. This firm was advertised absolutely everywhere. Social media influencers picked it up. They had uh, Super Bowl commercials that were bought. And that's like that. That's like the pinnacle of of buying airtime in America is during the Super Bowl, you know, the, the football game and or, excuse me, the American football game. If you go to the World Economic Forum website now and you look up FTX, sorry, we can't find the page you're looking for. Well, it just so happened that this was a company that partnered with the Ukraine Ministry of Digital Investments or something like that. And it funneled money directly from FTX straight into crypto, straight into the Ukrainian National Bank, where they converted it into fiat currencies. But if you go and you look at the event that was to be held two weeks from now, OK, so two weeks from now, the um, uh, the New York Times was planning on hosting a live event as FTX was the, uh, the uh, supposed to be the sponsor of the event. Well, they've scrubbed all that. But just to give you both an idea 
as to who some of these people were that were going to be the keynote speakers at this event. Take a listen and see if any of these names sound familiar. Sam Bankman-Fried, obviously that's the uh, CEO of FTX, uh, who's now been uh, detained in the Bahamas. Uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock. Van Jones... Uh, of course, that's a, an avowed communist um, in the U.S. The Treasury Secretary of the United States, Janet Yellen. Former Vice President under Donald Trump, Mike Pence. Benjamin Netanyahu, who is uh, once again the Prime Minister of uh, Israel. Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook. And of course, you've got President Zelensky of Ukraine. That sounds like an all-star lineup, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Amazing. And, and so this whole exchange has collapsed and just at a time when Zuckerberg is firing 11,000 people as well he must be having a real hard time it's almost like some of these major players have have served their purpose and are being burnt you know one by one or in this case a whole lot a whole lot at once um and we're going to see I'm sure we're going to see more and more of this uh where these individuals just slip off into anonymity because they're no longer as wealthy as as um you know they were before all this and and they're no more use to the real spider at the middle of this web which to my you know in my opinion is still the Rothschilds it's still the world bank it's still that old old money that has been causing trouble and and making billions out of other people's misery for 250 years there's at least one name in there that i'm like why the hell are you in that and that's uh bb interested in knowing why the hell he was involved in that and his affiliations but uh the other names in that list no surprise corruption abounds uh well, there's others I forgot to mention. Reed Hastings of Netflix, the CEO of Netflix, he he would also mm. be there. Uh, Andy, uh, what is this guy? Andy Jazzy, whatever his name. Whoever took over Bezos' spot at Amazon, he was going to be there as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, then a few others, but you know, it's, it, those are the major players anyway. Uh, basically, all the companies that are more or less working together, but not working together officially uh, because that would violate laws and uh, you know corrupt dealings that is yes. potentially going on. They're part of I, the ESGs. And- yeah, I'm not sure if this has anything to do with it either, but uh, also one of the other speakers that were, that are going to, that were supposed to be in attendance uh, was Xiao Chu, the uh, CEO of TikTok. Oh, that, that, that's okay. Yeah, that's, that, that one's great. Uh, CCP agent. Uh, interesting. Um, I, I, I don't know what else to say other than there are a bunch of corrupt individuals. Uh, like I said, the, the one that, baffles me a bit is um netanyahu um just because i know some of his past and what he used to do like he's he's israeli special forces like that that's kind of in his past so yeah i I wouldn't expect him to be in corruption well you, you get to a point where you realize there's you might as well you know beat them or join them and he can clearly not beat them because he's just scraped through a couple of major um, challenges to his liberty, hasn't he? With with corruption within the Israeli parliament. Yeah, there were there there were charges that he was corrupt. Uh, I never heard anything more of that or any um, any outcomes of that. So that'd be well, like I said, you know, curious to find out what the deal is there. Yeah. And, you know, it may well be that certain pressures were applied just as the same as, you know, I've been convinced for quite some time that it's all down to bribery or blackmail that is making everything work. So in his case, it may have been, we'll make this go away. And maybe that's what they've done. And now Netanyahu is on side, but he may have been part of it all along. Is it just me or does the name think... um, Obviously, the CEO of BlackRock. Didn't they? Isn't that what sort of 1940s and 50s gangsters used to call a rat? Oh, he's a fink. Um, There must be a reason why that name was used way back then as a pejorative. Well, you know, it's just a thought. I find it funny that such a name uh, is is there right at the head of an organization that we know is 
is at the heart of of most of our woes and you know normal everyday people are having their their fortunes and and their lives ruined by corrupt banks and blackrock being at the heart of it all yeah i i, I was looking into if it's common spelling fink uh i know at least the origins are german but uh apparently there was some individuals that were involved, uh, Fink Truss, I believe, yeah. which was involved in the railroad engineering here in the U.S., which, if that's the case, uh, that's a dirty line of <laughs> corruption and everything that's that's spanned, you know, what, 150 plus years. Yeah. Um, so that, that could easily be part of where uh, the origins of that name and why it would be involved in uh, uh, kind of your mob stuff. As yeah, far as you know, a slur. I don't. I I hadn't heard that one, but I'm not super familiar with uh, you know uh, slang from back then. The the old uh, Jimmy Cagney films about gangsters and and those kind of things way back from the early days of of cinema. Um, I'm sure that that was an insult used. But as I said a few days ago, um, these things are dynastic. That it's a dynasty that. Where, where the plan gets passed on from generation to generation. And it doesn't surprise me that if they were, if the Finks were involved in, in the building of the railroads and, and all those kind of things, then they're involved with Rockefeller. And then it's, it's all part of the same club. It's the deep state, it's old money. Uh, and it's, it's so far, those sorts of people are so far separated um from from normal everyday life that that most of us have to struggle through they don't give a toss they 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 don't care they're just totally unaware of of how hard they make things for people and they don't care well no, so this as is, long as as long as they're the okay this is the this it's is for, for the betterment of the of the human race it, it it's to make your life better in their eyes you know so you you don't have to make these difficult decisions in life and uh it, it, it ensures that well i mean it ensures that they're going to remain in power uh for the foreseeable future if they enslave you in this in this manner and uh, is- uh real quick the fink is actually I, I found the verb of it the informal definition is to be a snitch there you go so that's that's <laughs> uh, but that came from somewhere that 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 came from somewhere yeah um and and was used by gangsters in in sort of probably from the 30s through the 40s and 50s you know th- these phrases come from somewhere and it it wouldn't surprise me at all if it didn't come from that family so um again i've got no proof i've got no evidence i'm just saying it would not surprise me if that wasn't the case it it makes i mean uh, it makes sense cuz uh as as an example um uh to do with our elections, Florida, we, we had hanging chads. Well, you know, that that's just a, a, you know, a phrase or whatever that we had from the, the elections back in uh, the early 2000s when Florida was uh, notorious for getting their uh, ballots in late. Um, there was another name, I forget which county it was, but uh, this county was really bad about getting it in. Anyway, that county is now a verb. And it, it references exactly this kind of thing. So, um, uh-huh. uh, it, it's, yeah, but to yeah. your, to your thing about the, the, the corruption and everything and, and all the affiliations and whatnot, honestly, I, I it, it boils down to the whole, this great reset and the, it's the age old they're getting, they're trying to usurp power for themselves and trying to, um, basically, uh, crown themselves King and remaining that. Uh, for the foreseeable future and if they're able to collapse society and reshape it into what they envision um, they'll remain in power for uh, maybe 80 years maybe a thousand we don't know with technology the way it is it it could end up being uh it could up it, it could be a thousand years easily yeah if, if they get the ai and everything involved but this whole thing about uh cryptocurrency so you've got a whole exchange operating in cryptocurrency ftx in my limited understanding of things economic and financial our currencies used to be backed by precious metals by gold and silver when they decided that 
that didn't matter anymore and they started to just print as much money as they wanted and and then owe the world bank this debt you know when countries started doing that it kind of made a nonsense of money it, it you know so i don't understand uh, what cryptocurrency is based on how do you decide how much cryptocurrency you can have how do they how did they determine um this person is worth this much in cryptocurrency did they transfer actual currency in into a cryptocurrency or or what what happened yes uh, that that's so basically what happened was um there is a limited amount of crypto uh, well, for some, uh, some cryptos are, have an infinite, there, there is no cap, but uh, many of them have a, a, an absolute cap. So you can only generate so many, uh, so many coins. And basically the backing of it, some of them actually have gold backing, uh, but the like Bitcoin and whatnot, it's really only what the market decides and uh, who's invested in it. And, and basically it's uh, the worth of it is what the market says. Um, it, interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, you reminded me as you were going through that and, and bringing it up cryptos were intended to be uh decentralized to it was it was to bypass governments and 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 all of that right it was supposed to be a secure way for us to regain power of banking uh interesting with this uh bankman freed or what, whatever the hell his name is he has publicly said now we were we were speculating at first this was just a fall guy now I'm 100% convinced because the statements he was saying here yesterday or something like that, he was basically saying that the morals that he had or that he showed like the uh, concern about climate change and, and people's welfare and veganism and all of that was all just for show. It was it was uh, Western, the, the Western society's BSing. That's all he was doing. There was no actual moral connection. He was just in this to make a buck and and make money off of cryptos and and basically screw his intention was to screw people over and this is why we need regulation that that's right there yeah, yeah that right there says he was a plant and that's the intention of what this was is they were trying to cause a collapse in the crypto markets to try to get people to people or governments to jump on board and to regulate and to How's basically that? shut down cryptos has that happened has the has the uh, has crypto taken another hit today? I haven't looked. Um, so you had uh, FTX. There's another one that went and was went bankrupt, and there's another one today. I forget which one it was that said they're looking at filing for bankruptcy as well. So there's there. I, I'm I believe there's three exchanges that are involved right now. Yeah, I saw BlockFi. I saw. Uh, another yeah, one, by, and, that's it. and of course, uh, CE, yeah, the, the, the FTX one. Uh, according to, and this is coming out of CNBC, so take it for what you will. It says FTX, the new CEO, John Ray III, filed a declaration with the United States Bankruptcy Court for Delaware in the world's largest crypto exchange. Ray, who helped shepherd Enron, uh huh. Through its own bankruptcy, what, why is it? Why does it always go back to that? That you know, you notice we talked about Al Gore and this carbon exchange that he set up with Ken Lay. Guess where he was? Guess who he was? He was the CEO of Enron. Uh, and then, of course, now they bring in this guy who was the uh, the lawyer that oversaw that uh, the bankruptcy of that company. He said uh, in his own words about the state of the company or the behavior of the former executive team, describing it as one of the worst examples of corporate controls he'd ever encountered. It was a damning remark from someone who is who has 40 years of legal and restructuring experience. These are the points that he listed. A total lack of financial and corporate controls. He says, never in my career have I seen such complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. Number two, slipshod accounting will require forensic analysis. I do not believe it appropriate for stakeholders, there's that word again, or the court to rely on the audited financial statements as a reliable indication of the financial circumstances of these companies. Uh, and I did see that there were about a million creditors that were going to be on the hook for this. Number three, penthouses, perks, and personal items. In the Bahamas, I understand that corporate funds of the FTX group were used to purchase homes and other personal items for employees and advisors. I understand that there does not appear to be documentation for certain of these transactions as loans and that certain real estate was recorded in the personal name of these employees and advisors on the records uh, on the records of the Bahamas. Number four, emoji for expenses. The debtors did not have the type of disbursement controls 
that I believe are appropriate for a business enterprise. For example, employees of the FTX group submitted payment requests through an online chat platform where a group of supervisors approved disbursements by responding with personalized emojis. Uh, You know what? This all sounds exactly like what you're talking about is they're literally setting it up and they've got their guy, the restructuring guy, talking about all the problems that they need to now go in and regulate. Yep. Uh, And uh, again, it's it's. Uh, to usurp more control, to take more control, uh, to to create a centralized version of a cryptocurrency uh, that that governments would use. Presumably, uh, this would be the the new world currency that the World Economic Forum will push. It's funny uh, that all links in to to what I wanted my main topic to to be tonight. Yeah, what is that? Um, well, I was trying to think because it really upsets me the way that these environmentalists are saying that there is climate change migration. People are being forced to migrate due to climate change. They're not being forced to migrate due to climate change. They're being forced to migrate because of lack of jobs, lack of food, lack of water. If we just look at one continent, and let's take Africa, as I said the other day, you know, these our, our billionaires, our Davos group, could could solve Africa's problems not in not overnight, but certainly within the space of a few months, they could get them well on the way to stopping that migration, to making people's lives a lot better. But I think I worked it out to be about seven steps or seven things. But the first thing um, is one A or B. So one A would be to get them all to agree to take charge of a not-for-profit, no-strings-attached project in Africa to solve some of their problems. But if they don't agree to do that, then then it's, it's 1B, which is arrest them for all the crimes against humanity they've committed, find them guilty, seize their assets, and then get somebody else to take their that 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 wealth and 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 help solve this climate migration, this so-called climate migration out. So I've I've got other points, but what do you think so far? Well, I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm I'm not I'm not certainly not going to disagree with you on that point. Uh, but how is that okay? So I, I'm trying to figure out how this is going to play in the like they're they're playing with two agendas here, uh, if you will. So they have the um, the unchecked uh, flow of uh, of migrants that are coming uh, into the into Europe and into the UK and into the United States, right? So our borders are basically non-existent. Okay, so there's that. And then at the same time, and they're calling, by the way, they've collapsed the third world because of the lockdowns and the breaking of the supply chain, and they're calling it climate change uh, when when they're moving these people, which is a complete farce. But yet today at this G20, and I'm quoting here from an actual resolution that they have adopted at the G20, they say that we support efforts to strengthen prevention and response to future pandemics that should capitalize and build on the successes of existing standards and digital COVID-19 certificates. Okay. And they go on in this declaration to say, as in all leaders of the G20, that would include all Western nations, we acknowledge the importance of shared technical standards and verification methods under the framework of the IHR 2005, whatever that is, to facilitate seamless international travel, interoperability, and recognizing digital solutions and non-digital solutions, including proof of vaccinations. That was from paragraph 23 of the G20 Leaders Declaration. So you see my point? They're talking out of both sides. We've got unchecked on one side, and on the other side, if you, the uh, the citizen of said Western nation, if you want to move, you want to go anywhere, then you're going to have to abide by whatever Bill Gates and the World Health Organization say. Yeah, it's <laughs> they're, they're not really setting it up for the majority of us, are they? No. They're setting no. this up for however few of us are left once more of their plan has come into into being. So it's it's all just nonsense and, and white noise. It's all just nonsensical chatter. What they want to be doing at a, a G20 summit is solving the world's problems. If they want to be globalist, 
then that's what they need to do. They need to actually solve a problem, not just make legislation around a problem that they caused in the first place, i.e. COVID-19, which was manufactured. It's a manufactured virus designed not to be fatal, but designed to uh, spread wide and combined with the panic and fear caused by the science and our corrupt media um, has managed to to bring world economies to a crashing halt. I have a clip from um, uh, from dear old Klaus. I played it the other day, but I'm not sure that you've heard it yet. Would you like to hear what he had to say in his opening statement at the G20? Yeah, I, I have just eaten. I'll try and keep my, my dinner down. Thank you. Very well. Here he is. Of course. If you look at all the challenges, we can speak about the multi-crisis, an economic, a political, a social, an ecological, an institutional crisis. But actually, what we have to confront is a deep, systemic and structural restructuring of our world. And this will take some time. As the world would look differently after we have gone through this transition process. Politically, the driving forces for this political transformation, of, of course, is the transition into a multipolar world, which has a tendency to make our world much more fragmented. And for these reasons, Events like this one, the G20, and so on, are the very important connectors to avoid a too great segmentation. You see, he's already saying that, yeah, this is probably going to cause some issues with people. This is probably going to cause people to want to pull away from this. He, he's already saying it. But uh, the only thing I think he was missing, he was missing his uh, his white cat with a diamond necklace when he was speaking there. Did you yeah. catch that? <laughs> the, the thing is, he what experience? He, he, he's, he's old now. He's older than I am. But what real experience has he got of of being normal? None. He he has no idea of what being normal, the average guy, the average girl, just trying to make a living, he's got no clue what that feels like. And therefore, he can come up with these marvellous ideas and he, he's only got sycophants around him so he doesn't get challenged. That's, that's, that's the way that these things um, gain momentum. All you need is, is an ego and lots of money. And someone's providing him with lots of money, and the man certainly does have the ego for it, just the same as other politicians in in the in the theatre of politics at the moment. Trudeau, there's a man with an ego. Xi Jinping, no doubt he's got an ego, but he's also got the world's large, you know, fastest growing economy, so so to speak. Well, uh, and, and, that's that's well, in yeah. debate. We can talk about that uh, here in a minute. But go on. Yeah, but. No, whatever Klaus has to say, I'm not interested. What I would be interested in would be sitting down and having a chat with a man, and every time he started any of this globalist bullshit, I'd go, ah, and stop him from speaking, <laughs> and um, and and just, just have a proper chat and, and explain what really needs to happen. Here's my ego coming out now. You know, if, if continents have a water shortage, get these billionaires to spend their money, uh, they don't have to pay tax, just the money, let's just say the money they were going to pay in taxes, spend that on, you know, providing fresh water. All these charities that have been going for decades have still failed to provide that continent with with fresh water. There's still people walking miles to get water and it's not fresh and it's not clean, it's not pure. So by now they could have solved it, but that that's that's one thing they need to do. The other thing they need to do is again not for profit and with no strings attached, offer really good support to the continent's farmers. I mean, I'm talking about the countries that haven't already sold out to China within within Africa. 
because China should be taking care of those. Get the civil engineers out there. Uh, and and again, no strings attached, no regime changed involved, because that's half the problem. This cycle of people moving through North Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, through the Levant, into Europe, into, you know, Western countries as refugees or financial migrants, which is most of them, has all been caused by regime changes. It's all been caused by civil wars, much of which uh, is down to Western governments' foreign policy, particularly the US's foreign policy. So any help offered needs to be without strings and without regime change. It will be nasty for some people because they'll have to work with, you know, tyrants, but eventually, when the quality of education in a country, when the, the food supply, when the fresh water supply, when the general standards of living get raised, the people will sort those things out for themselves. It shouldn't be down to the United Kingdom, the United States, Germany, France to uh, determine who's in charge of a country, it should be down to those individuals. But in Klaus's world, in the globalist world, there'll be a central global government and those countries will just have, you know, administrators. They'll just be bureaucrats feeding back into Switzerland or wherever the capital of the world is in, in their globalist minds. It'd be tri-state city. That's where they want to move everything to. You know, that horrible eyesore that they want to create in uh, in the Netherlands and Belgium and Germany that stretches all the way down into um, uh, into the UK and in France. That's what they want to create, uh, is that. No, I, I hear you. I, I hear what you're saying. But again, this would require them to actually want to rectify these problems that are in these countries. They don't want to do that. They don't want to go in and they don't want to fix the issues of whether or not someone has clean water in Africa. They don't care. They just want the resources, or rather, China wants the resources that they've been promised. And to your point about the Chinese economy, uh, I was listening to somebody about, uh, I want to say it was like middle of last week or the week before, who was speaking to somebody who's an expert on China. And it's always, in our media anyway, it's always positive coverage of China. Have you noticed that? It's, it's positive coverage or it's no coverage. It's never anything yeah. negative. It's never been anything negative. To that point... They were saying, at least, you know, this is this is coming secondhand to me or by the time it got to me. But this individual inside of China, who's one of the, you know, the CCP uh, people uh, who was leaking information out, China's economy is about 60 percent less than what we're made to believe here in the West. Now, that, in my opinion, that actually starts to make sense when you think about it. That explains China's behavior just a little bit better. Because one thing about uh, Marxists, you know, Chinese communists, one thing about them, they're not economists. They don't know how to run economies. They know how to dominate an economy, but they don't know how to run them. They don't know how to administer them. Everything's still run off of uh, a spinoff of the old Soviet system, you know, the council of politics, that, that type of thing. And so... Nobody really knows how to do business. They just do it. You know, they, they just kind of, uh, you know, ram things through and, and hope it all goes to plan. And if it doesn't, well, then they just don't report it and they move on. I think that would make a little bit better sense uh, when you start looking at things on a, a larger scale like that. This China's economy is about 60 percent less and they can't take the hits that they're trying to inflict on us. They can't sustain that in China even though, I, I mean, when they shut down their economy and they shut down shipping first, that became, it became, I guess, their hope that it was going to cause enough disruption that it was going to cause us to shut down and it was going to allow them to open back up and then surge past us. And it didn't work. They actually broke the supply chains in doing that. And now they're on damage control. Uh, but something something over there is is afoot. Um, they're, they're locking down whole cities. Uh, Guangzhou City was locked down uh, just last week, Shanghai was under lockdowns. Beijing was under lockdowns. Wuhan again. The Foxconn factories where they make all the Apple products. Shenzhen was all shut down again. And so whatever's happening over there, uh, it seems at least on the surface that they're switching to a, uh, a a wartime economy. And that's that seems to be at least what even Xi is promoting in the uh, the Chinese state media. They can do that. They can shut down to a wartime economy and the majority of their population are 
on subsistence sort of rations anyway. The the ones we see living in the cities are are not the 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 majority of that country's population. And they do their own farming. They have their own pigs. They have their own ways of getting fish. They grow rice. You know, they they do those things. You were talking in, in the podcast last week about, or this week, about losing skills within a generation. And we've got two or three generations without skills. Those skills are still being passed on in, in the rural areas of China. They they still know how to survive, how to how to make sure they get fed, and because they've lived under communism for so long, they are used to having less. It's the ones, it's the cronies, it's the ones that have been given the advantages. They're the ones who are really going to suffer as a result of China's economy starting to collapse. They're the ones who are really going to suffer, and then we'll see what kind of problem that is for Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party. But I don't think those ones are the sort that are really going to present too much of a problem. They're easily contained and curtailed. That's the thing. Uh, is this if they go on to a a war footing? I mean, it's going to be a an issue where their population is going to um, well, it's in great to a great extent. It's already starting to happen. They're not going to have enough resources uh, left to feed their people. Uh, and then, of course, at that point, yes, they're going to have to go on to a war footing, and they'll be asked to buckle down. But the cities. There are already riots in the cities over there. Again, we just don't see a lot of that stuff. But we're getting close to uh, to time here. We've only got a few minutes left. Closing thoughts? I heard a joke, and I thought it was fairly fitting about all, right, all the topics we talk about. This lady goes, uh, she's an American lady, and she says, I, I went to my next-door neighbors who are Democrats. Their six-year-old daughter was there, and I said, hi, honey, how you doing? And she said, I'm good. I said, what do you want to be when you grow up? She says, I want to be the president. Oh, and what are you going to do when you're the president? And she thought for a moment, because she's sick, she says, I want to feed all, all the homeless people and the poor people. The woman says to her, well, well, you don't have to wait until you're president to do that. You can come to my place. You can help me clean up my backyard, mow my lawn. I'll pay you $50. And you can go and uh, spend that on food and give it to the, the poor and homeless. And the little girl says, uh, after she's thought for a while, because she's six years old, she goes, well, why don't the poor and homeless just come and do the work for you and cut out the middleman? The woman says, welcome to the Republican Party. That's pretty much about right, yeah. Uh, instead, you know, they uh, they want to just snag it from everybody else and, and redistribute it. Well, you know how they do. But that's See, we're, we really are right in the middle. We don't like the scroungers, the ones with their hands out for money. No. And it it's um, it's been proven to us that the the ones with all of the wealth are not treating us well. It'd be okay if they just went about their business and enjoyed their wealth, but they seem to want to use it to change our way of life, not for the better, but to make it worse and more restrictive. And I think that's the the crux of the situation. We really are stuck in the middle. Indeed, we are, sir. We'll see you next week. Yes, indeed, you will. Fantastic. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. If you know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own, we would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. It's been a pleasure as always, gentlemen. Thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Monday.